Morning, Reach Church. So if kids want to head to Reach Kids, they can, they can head out right now. All right. Now, uh, once again, we are looking at the, the church that Jesus loves, that he says, I love my church. We want to say, I love my church. I love my church. Yeah, that's right, Greg. Um, because this is, this is more than just a, a gathering once a week that we are kind of brought together for a larger purpose. We are his delight. We are his bride. And today, uh, we are his temple, the temple of the living God. So that's what we're looking at today, uh, the temple, the church as the temple. Now, we talked about building a little while back. We talked about the foundation that is Christ. Um, but now we're looking at a more specific aspect, the, the temple aspect of this time when we come together. Now, my hope is that it, uh, this gives us kind of a, a larger identity of who we are as we think about uh, ourselves coming together, even ourselves as individuals. My hope is it, it helps us think about kind of our standing before God, that it, that it reinforces the gospel for us, and ultimately I hope that it, it causes us to, to worship and rejoice in, in Christ. So we're going to look at uh, the temple in kind of three aspects, that as the temple we are the, the dwelling place of God, we are the dwelling place of God, we are holy, and finally we are the place of worship. So the place of, of God's presence, of holiness, and worship. So let's pray, and let's uh, ask God to, to help us understand these things. Father, we thank you that you have brought us together. We thank you that you are doing things in us that we cannot possibly do independent of Christ. That you are working in us, and you are even dwelling in us to be your holy temple. And Father, I ask that, um, that we'd believe these things, that they wouldn't just um, fall upon deaf ears. Father, we ask that we would rejoice in them in our hearts. And Father, we ask that, that it would change our lives, that we would be your holy temple because we, we know that we are in Christ. So Father, change us, work in us, and, and help us to worship you in the midst of these things, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. All right, so uh, we see in several places this, uh, this language of the church as the temple of God. We're looking first at Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is Paul just kind of overflowing with all of these descriptions of who we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a holy dwelling place for God by the Spirit. All right, so we're seeing lots of these metaphors. We talked about how we are, we are members of a household. We talked about that we are this building, but now we're seeing even more that we are the holy temple the dwelling place for God in the Spirit. The dwelling place for God in the Spirit. And I think that that's where we're going to start, that we are the dwelling place of God. All right. First, we want to make sure we talk about God being omnipresent, that he's everywhere, and that's true. God is everywhere, but throughout all of history, throughout biblical history, throughout all of time, 
God has been in special places committed to being present in a, in a more personal sense. And so throughout the Bible, we see this picture of the temple. And the temple is this special dwelling place of God. All right, we saw it first in the Garden of Eden. And we see our God, God walking with Adam in the cool of the morning. We see it in the tabernacle, where God is committed to, to leading his people through the desert, through speaking to Moses, in protecting his people. All right, we see it in, in Solomon's temple and in the later temples that this is the place of, of sacrifice and worship, that people come to this, this temple to know that God is here and God is listening and God is present. And the ultimate consummation of all these things in heaven is when God comes and he says, you know, now the whole earth is, is my temple so much so we don't even need a temple anymore. I will be so present and I'll be there with you. All right, we're not actually content in saying that like, well, you just, everything gets to be God's temple. Everything's great. Uh, that's actually never been how anyone has thought about God. There's always been this idea that, no, like, you want to be present with him. You want to go to him. You want to stand before him and receive the blessings of being in his presence. And that's actually still the case today. We want to go to God. We want to stand before him. We don't just want this general idea that God is everywhere, and I guess I'll find him somewhere. Like, and honestly, that's not how God speaks of his relationship to man. There is still a temple. There is still a temple, but now the temple is us here and now, is the believers. Individually, you are united to Christ by the Spirit, and the Spirit dwells inside of you. That's what happened when you put your faith in Jesus. So you, individually, are the temples of God. And then when we all come together as living stones, as members we are the temple of God in a more corporate sense, and God promises to dwell there and to be with us and to be present in this Old Testament kind of sense. All right. That is what we are as the temple of God. We are the dwelling place of God. Now, first, let's talk about what that means for us individually. What does that mean for you individually, that you are the temple, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? All right, first, all right, do you ever feel like you need, you need like, backup or, like, a, a wingman in life? All right, if we're, like, too scared to go talk to a girl, like, bring the wingman. And the wingman is supposed to help us, like, if we, if we totally screw things up, then we, like, oh, like, he, he'll talk, he'll talk, he'll, he'll help us through this thing. Um, all right, the Holy Spirit is present in us. God is with us, and like any time we go into any situation that we have no, no power to do, he is there with us. All right, I think of uh, Jesus when he says that, like, wait for the Holy Spirit, and he will, he will give you the words to speak if, if you are put before kings and rulers and have to preach about me. Like, don't worry about it. I will be present with you. I'll give you the words. I'll give you what you need. All right, there's confidence in, in going anywhere and knowing that God is present with us. All right, we think, of, we think of the power that we need. That we are weak and we are, we're not able ultimately to do the things on, oftentimes that we are called to do. 
that we're called to confront sin. We're called to be, be patient and persevere in trial. We're called to, to fight spiritual battles. We talked about the army of God. Like We cannot do these things without God being present with us and fighting for us. The Israelites, they would bring the Ark of the Covenant. Think Indiana Jones. We all know the Ark of the Covenant. All right. They would bring him into battle because he would fight the battle for them. Like, we bring God into every situation. We go into it knowing that he is there with us. He will fight the battle. He won't, he won't abandon us. All right, we wonder, okay, if, as Randy said, we're like looking for all of this approval and self-worth. I'm like, where do I stand? And here is, here is God saying, like, I, I will dwell with you. I am, I'm with you. I'm committed to you. I'm not leaving. I'll be present with you always. All right, Casey and I are looking at houses. There are certain houses we are not willing to dwell in. All right? We look at them, we're like, I will, we, are, we, are, we are above this house. All right? And we are not willing to go there. Uh, all right. God has chosen, when you put your faith in Christ, he has chosen to dwell in, in you. You're the dwelling place of God. That, that brings inherent value and worth and, and beauty to that individual that is beyond that any, anything else any, any person or anything can give you. That we live out of that identity and, and that reality, not out of all of these scraps that we're trying to scrape of value from the world. All right. That is the gift that Jesus gives us. That is the blessing of being the, the dwelling place of God, the temple. All right, but that then, that then becomes kind of even more powerful when we talk about all of us together, filled with the Holy Spirit, coming into this place and being the temple corporately. That we are all living stones, and when we, when we come together, God promises that he will be present here. And he is present here as we gather. Now, one reminder in terms of that. Um, this building, this is not the temple of God. There's nothing special here. All right. When the temple, you guys, all leave on a Sunday morning, God doesn't stay here. All right. He doesn't live here. That would be really depressing if he did. I'm, I'm glad that God doesn't have to live here. Uh, and that's where we, we, talk, we say things like, well, like, oh, like, don't. You can't say that in, like, the, the house of God. Like, he doesn't live here. And during the week, he's not all waiting for us to, like, come back. <laughs> I, like, hope, I hope they come back. I'm, like, kind of lonely here. Like, no. And if you want to pray, you're not thinking, like, oh, I, 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 maybe I should go, like, sit in one of these little black chairs because, like, they're special. They're not. The people are the temple. And when we come together, we become the temple. When we leave, the temple leaves. When we go to Helena's house at the potluck, like, the temple will be present at her house. <laughs> All right, what is that? Now, why do we get excited about that? Why do we get excited about corporately kind of being the people of God, God being present with us, being the temple? Like, I think we have to recognize that, like, we don't totally get that image and the blessing of what that means. When Adam and Eve were, were in the garden with God, like that was, a, that was a thing of amazing beauty. And the fact that the people of Israel were like walking through the desert with the God of the universe, like that is an amazing thing. To stand before God, like 
Moses did it. And he was shining with glory and beauty and power. That when God describes heaven, he describes this as the place of God's presence. That that is a source of all life. That is a source of all joy. That's a source of all beauty. That if there's anything we want, it is that. That's what we're fighting to believe and to understand that like, we want to be in the presence of God. That is heaven. And so, very simply, I'd encourage you, like, come here and be excited to be here. Like, this, is, this is a taste of that heavenly reality. This is a taste of eternity. This is a taste of, of beauty and love and presence and grace and mercy that like, cannot be found anywhere else. This is not a corporate meeting. This is not like, oh, so I like get the word. Like this is, this is the enjoyment of the presence of God. That's why we come here, for the joy of doing so. We are individually, we are filled with God's presence. We are, we are the dwelling place of God, and corporately we come together to be the dwelling place of God. Now, there's a problem with that. There's a problem with that. Now, at all those instances, we see the, the garden. Yeah, it's a dwelling place of God. Uh, they got kicked out of that garden. <laughs> that they were given spiritual life and they were given spiritual death by being kicked out of it. All right, the tabernacle. So that same Ark of the Covenant that they carried around, yeah, when people touched that and they died. They were not clean enough to touch it. And as soon as God said, yeah, I'm going to dwell with you guys, he gave them uh, a couple books of purity laws, of all of these rules that said, okay, you, you can't go here. If you do this, you have to wash yourself ten times. You have to wait. You have to go outside the camp. If you're, if you're liable to polluting the temple, then we're going to stone you and kick you out. All right, the, the physical temple... Now, there were walls and barriers to keep you out of that place because it was too holy. The holiness of God would literally destroy anything that was impure. Now, one guy went in there, the high priest, once a year, and he'd prepare himself for weeks and weeks, for, for the whole year of holiness, gathering up enough holiness to enter into that place for, for one day. All right, a couple days before, he would, he would stop sleeping, and he'd have this team around him that would, like, protect him so that he might not accidentally make himself unholy. So that in his sleep, he wouldn't accidentally commit some sin or, or pollute himself. And even then, when he went into that holy place, they'd tie a rope around his, his waist so they could pull him out in case, in case God struck him down. All right, that's, that's the reality of what we're dealing with here. That's the reality of what it means to be so close to the presence of God, to be dwelt with by God. All right, what do we do with that? All right, there's two ways we can deal with that. We can say, A, oh, then I must not be the dwelling place of God. <laughs> All right, that doesn't fit. Or we can say, Oh, that must be how holy I am. It's one or the other. I'm not the dwelling place, or I am that holy. I am able to stand 
And that's where the depressing thing is we always go this way and we say, oh, well, that means I'm not, the, I'm not really the temple. You can't, can't possibly unite me. Instead, we need to say, okay, what does that show me about the work of Jesus that he would call me the holy temple? It shows that that holiness is real, that you are, you're so holy, so pure, so washed clean that God can actually dwell inside of us. Now, how is that possible? All right, that is not possible because you read your Bible yesterday or because you were nice to that person who was in front of you in line or because or we gave to charity. Like, none of those things are going to make you the holy temple of God. That's why each and every week we give you nothing but Jesus. We talk about nothing but Jesus. Nothing but Jesus can make you that holy. Nothing but Jesus can make you that holy. And that's where in Jesus, that something, something very special happened. So this God, who is kind of sequestered in the temple, and that no one could come to, that same God came down and walked here. God with us, Emmanuel. And during his time on earth, he was, he was called, he called himself the temple of God, that he was the temple. And he was amidst all of this impurity, all of this uncleanness, all of this sin. And he would, he would encounter these things, and he would move towards them, and we'd think, okay, like, no, he can't, he can't touch the, the person with leprosy or the, the woman who's bleeding. But he did, and instead of it polluting God, and hurting him, what happened? The things that touched him were purified. They were healed. The, the, de the demonic, the, those possessed would come to him, and then they'd be freed from that. Even the dead, kind of the worst of those, those polluted by sin, no, they didn't defile Jesus. They, they were purified by him. That suddenly this, this principle is turned around and, and Jesus, the temple, is moving forward and purifying everything. Now we wonder, okay, how, how, how can he do that? How, is that? how is that fair? How is he allowed to do that? And we see, we see what happens on the cross. We saw that Jesus was actually becoming sin and taking all of the impurity, all of the, the uncleanness, all the unholiness upon himself. And he was giving us the purity. He was giving us his perfection. He was giving us his holiness. And that as Jesus cried out like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so that we could call out, Father, like, Father, thank you for dwelling in us. That he, the temple, was destroyed so that we could be built back as the temple. So that we could be wiped clean, so that our sins could be redeemed. Like, that's the reality of what we're talking about. And you are stand before God pure now. You are, you are perfect and undefiled. That as you dwell with God, like, he is not polluted, you have been perfectly purified. That's the only way this is possible. 
This is not a question of, am I pure enough? It's that, like, look at the purity that I have because of Jesus. Now, you will all be thinking to yourself, but, like, but, but I'm not clean enough. Like, what? it still doesn't work because I'm still sinning. I'm still doing all these things. And the reality is every single time we, t- we see the church called the temple, there usually is this call next to it of calling us to be holy. And so we think, oh, okay, like, but, but I need to keep trying or else I'm not going to be the temple anymore. There's passages. Like, uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. All right, so he's asking the question, like, what? How does this work? You, you can't. You can't do this. Or, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 4, 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a Christ, so glorify God in your body. All right, there, there is this call to holiness. There is this call to purity. And, but why? Why? None of these passages say, you need to be holy so you can stay the temple or so you can become the temple. What does it say? It's assuming, no, that you already are the temple, that you, you already are in Christ, that you are light, that you are a believer, that you are the temple of God, that those things are already true of you, that you have been washed clean. It's not, it's not asking, like, are you the temple? It's telling you you are, and then it's saying, now live as the temple, Live as the temple. Why would you, if you have the God of all life and joy, if you found all of this mercy, if you've been washed clean, why would you want to unite that with a prostitute? Why would you want to unite that and, and bring idols into that place? Why would you want to defile it or unite it with evil or unite it with an unbeliever? Like, not because that would ruin the temple, but because, like, that's not who you are anymore. That's not the reality. And God at no point says, like, if you do that, I'm going to leave. He actually says that quite the opposite. He says, you know what? I'm so committed to being with you. Like, I have to experience that stuff, and I don't want to be united to that. That God actually experiences it through us. And he says, like, don't, don't do that to yourself, like, your body, this temple, is supposed to be committed to me, and so, like, I am here. Recognize I am here with you. Like, know my love. Know that, I, that I'm present. And don't bring these false things in. So there is a call to holiness, yes. But it's holiness that reflects something that has already happened to us that cannot be taken away. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. Now, last, last part of this. The call to worship. The call to worship. Now, we ask ourselves, okay, like, I'm constantly tempted. I'm constantly 
bringing in idols, I am constantly tempted to, to give myself to other things, to worship other things, to love other things. There's all of these draws that are, are trying to, to enter my heart and enter the church. How do we keep this from happening? How do we fight? That's where the, the last part of this temple is that we are the worship place of God. That we are called to worship and glorify God. That God's glory dwells with us. And we are the place of worship. And that's where we have this, uh, this interesting concept that it's, it's, not about, it's not about trying to get everything out of the temple. It's about bringing God in. That was always the important part. That they would build the tabernacle and they'd wait and say, like, did, did we do a good job? Because if they did a good job, the glory of God would come and would indwell that place. If they didn't do a good job, then, then nothing would happen. That he wouldn't be present with them. And then, then it just becomes a house of idolatry. Now, Jesus talks about a similar thing in, in Luke 11. Luke 11, 24 says this. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept and clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. All right, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, he's talking about demons, but the same principles apply that, yeah, we can kick out one idol from the church, or we can kick out one idol from our heart, but if we don't replace it with anything, then other idols are just going to sweep right in. And that's where the, the purpose of the church, the purpose of your heart as the worship, as the temple, is not to kick everything bad out. And make sure that nothing, nothing bad gets in there. No, the purpose is to be filled with something more powerful and more beautiful and more captivating. So nothing else can get in. And so any idol that tries to get in, like, there's already a worship service here. Like, you're not welcome. And you can come worship God if you want, but, like, that's the only thing that happens here. And that's where we can, oftentimes, we can come to Christ and we say, oh, yeah, I'm washed clean, but... We don't enjoy the worship. We don't invite God in. We don't, don't have worship services, and idols just come walking in, and you're like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, there's nothing else going on. Sure, come on in. All right, we are not fighting to get rid of sin. We are fighting to, to bring God in, to enjoy him, to get excited about his mercy and grace, to get excited about the, the blessing of being in his presence, of the life that's found in him. Are you being filled? Are you being uplifted? Are you, are you rejoicing in Jesus? Please don't make your life about looking at the law and looking at your heart and saying, like, oh, there's so much evil in there. Make your life about looking at Jesus and inviting him in and worshiping him. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, this is what it means to be the temple. These are the things that we do to fill ourselves. Are you letting the word of God fill you richly? That all of these blessings and all of these truths are, are coming and entering into your life and causing you to worship? Are you rejoicing and singing? Are you making Alexa play, play worship music and enjoying it and, and singing along? Are you seeing your thankfulness? I talk to someone from the church, and they say, like, they have a, a thankfulness notebook, and they just, like, write down all the things they're thankful for, and it starts to, like, overflow, worshiping and rejoicing in God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Are you expressing your worship in your life? Are you being the temple out there worshiping God? And whatever you're, you're, you're doing things to worship him, you're saying things that worship him. Filling yourself. All right, that joy is going to keep you holy because you're not going to want anything else. And you're going to enjoy being the temple of God, a place where you can worship Jesus who has saved you and redeemed you and give you mercy and forgiveness. Now think about your life. What does it look like to do that? Are you doing that? Please don't focus on the law. Please don't focus on the world. Focus on Jesus and keep worshiping. Amen? Amen. Any questions? Any questions? I'm going to stop asking questions because you guys never have any questions to answer. Come on. All right. Let's pray. Father, um, we desperately need your help to really understand these things from the heart. Father, as much as we know that we, we should get excited about these things, it's, it's different to know that we should than to actually get excited about them. And so, Father, would you work in us by the Spirit? We thank you that he's there that because we put our faith in Christ, that he dwells inside of us, and would he change our hearts, that we may want to rejoice, we may want to come together, we may want to be holy. Father, thank you for Jesus. We ask that nothing but Jesus would, would be our qualifications to call ourselves a temple, that it's not anything in us, it's, it's what Jesus has done for us. Father, we ask that we would see this as, as proof of our holiness and not a test for our holiness. Father, give us joy in Jesus. Unite us richly to him and, and fill us with your spirit that we may love being the temple as individuals and together. We pray in Jesus Christ's name.